Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. And we got a great episode for you here today, episode 191. Andy Lally is our guest on the show. He's driving for Rick Ware Racing. Say that five times fast. This weekend in Chicago. Great, great to chat with Andy, and he gave me so much time. What an interesting guy. Really excited for you guys to hear that. Excited to chit-chat for a hot minute about Nashville, and of course, probably in my opinion, the biggest race of the entire year in terms of interest-wise and from an event perspective, the Chicago Street Course Race. It is here. It is ready to rip, rock, and roll, and so am I. So are we. Before we do any of that, Let's rip, rock, and roll into this week's Wayback segment for the number 91, Papa Siegel. What have you got cooking up for us? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 191. Last time around, we shined our Wayback light on Hall of Famer Tim Flock, who won 16 times in the 91, including once with a monkey riding shotgun. Yes, remember our prior discussion about Jocko Flacco. Ah, yes, they were different times, my friends. Today, we focus our lens on the man who's driven the 91 car most recently in 2022 and 2023. That would be the flying fin, Kimi Raikkonen. Raikkonen, who's one of Davy's favorites, is a former Formula One champion and, with apologies to Valtteri Bottas, KK and Nico Rosberg, J.J. Leto and Miko Salo, among others, is the consensus pick for the greatest Finnish race car driver ever. What about Mika Hakkinen? I know, Mooms. Mika Hakkinen is your favorite Formula One driver. But sorry, Kimi was better than Mika. Kuchiga. That's a whole bunch of Mikas. Raikkonen earned his nickname of the Iceman for his unflappable, hard-charging driving style maybe also a little bit for his aloof and reserved personality when dealing with the media and public relations responsibilities. Those who know him actually say he's quite the engaging and funny cut-up guy. On the track, Raikkonen is near the top of the pylon in several Formula One metrics, including more than 100 podium finishes and almost 350 race starts, which may still have him second on that list. He won 21 F1 races over a 20-year career in the Premier Series, driving for a handful of constructors, including Sauber, McLaren, Lotus, Alfa Romeo, and, of course, Ferrari. He secured the 2007 F1 championship for the Scuderia by winning the Brazilian Grand Prix at Interlagos. Lewis Hamilton came into that weekend as the points leader, but battled an ill-handling car to a seventh-place finish, while defending F1 champion Fernando Alonso finished third. 
That gave the championship to Raikkonen by one point over them both. Can you believe that he remains the latest Ferrari driver to win a championship? Wow. Raikkonen has also dabbled in other racing series, including World Rally Cars and, for the last two years, NASCAR. His in-car radio feed has been must-hear listening, where he's been heard to tell his crew chief, just leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Davey does that a lot better. That's all for this week, except to wish our host an early happy birthday. He'll be at the track in Chicago doing what he loves on his special day. And Mooms and I want to let you know how much we love you, our baby boy. Kachiga! I echo the sentiment. Back to you. Yes, thank you, Mom, and thank you, Dad. Uh, first of all, sorry that uh, Dad did not spotlight Mika Hakkinen, but maybe we can down the road another time. And um, I will just say this to end, uh, end that before we get into any more of the show. Just leave me alone. I know what to do. No Kimmy this weekend in Chicago. It's Shane Van Gisbergen in the 91 for Trackhouse. All right, let's start off this episode as we always do with a good old-fashioned And throw it straight over to our chat with Andy Lally for Rick Ware Racing and obviously one of the most accomplished and decorated sports car racers in IMSA history. And I don't think that's hyperbole to say. Got into chatting about Chicago this weekend, his time behind the wheel of a next-gen car, how it differs from the sports cars that he's driven, and also his time in NASCAR racing in general. Andy is also one of the most interesting guys you could probably ever run into in the garage. He is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, vegan, a championship street luge racer, and he's won eight Rolex watches in his time in sports car racing but he only has one. He will tell you why in this wonderful, insightful chat, and I will get out of the way to let you hear it. Here's Andy Lally on Victory Lane. Pleasure to welcome on to the show today, a sports car extraordinaire and a man who goes far beyond the depths and the world of racing. We will get there, I am sure of it. But for this weekend, he is the driver of the Rick Ware Racing Cup Series Ford at the Chicago Street Course. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Lally. Fresh off some yard work, isn't that right? Uh, yes, lots of yard work today. It's uh, been raining a lot here, and I've been gone every Thursday to Sunday. So uh, Monday to Wednesday, it's been raining. So I've kind of skipped out, and my neighbors, I'm sure, have been kind of peering over the fence, wondering what kind of jungle I got <laughs> going on over here. Yeah, I, I guess what, that's what happens when all that rain comes through the area. You end up growing a lot of grass, and somebody's got to mow it. So that's your job. That's me. <laughs> for better or for worse, I guess. So we're headed to Chicago this weekend. No greenery in sight besides Grant Park, I guess. We're going to be hitting the streets. You ready to rip, rock, and roll? The preparation's all underway. You ready to go? I can't wait, man. The uh, To be a part of the first-ever street circuit for NASCAR after all of these years uh, of the talk and the rumors and the maybes and whatnot, I didn't think it would actually happen. But to to hear it happen and then get an opportunity to actually race in it and then the race it in, in cup of all things uh, is is pretty wild. So I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you are one of the only drivers in the field. I think Cinder comes to mind, AJ comes to mind, and and you with actual street course experience, albeit not in a NASCAR stock car, because 
like you said, this is kind of the first time the Cup Series is doing it, but you're one of the only people that has experience on this track type. Is that right? Yeah, there, there's probably a handful of others. Uh, my teammate at Rick Ware Racing is going to be Jensen Button, and sure, so sure. he's obviously done uh, Monaco and, and other street races like that. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, who has won many races in Australian touring cars, which is actually going to probably compute or translate better than any of the other guys that Project 91 has been bringing in uh, uh, as, as guest drivers. So this should be this should be really good for them. And then um, let's see, yeah, there's there's probably one or two others, but sure, yeah, there's there's probably you know under ten of us in a uh, you know almost forty car field. So I, I'm looking forward to maybe having some sort of <laughs> advantage heading into a, a cup race. That's that's a rare moment for me, but yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I guess I should have thought about the uh, the interlopers, so to speak. I, I did not mean to short one of the goats in F1, Jensen, and one of the goats down under, Shane Van Ginsburg. And I think Michael McDowell might have some experience back in oh, his yeah. open wheel days yeah. as well. So I've raced against I've raced against McDowell a bunch on street circuits. So yeah, we we grew up doing touring cars and GT cars against each other, and uh, certainly have raced on a few street circuits against each other. And and he is. You know, right now, I think one of the, the biggest overachievers in, in Cup, he's doing so well uh, and, and showing so strong. And then obviously when he gets to the road courses where he's uh, the strongest, he's uh, he's really coming through. Totally agree there. We saw what he was able to do uh, earlier this year at Sonoma um, and some other road courses as well. So you mentioned, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, that might give you a bit of an upper hand. But I'll ask the question in all seriousness. Do you think that that past experience gives you a bit of an upper hand on your competition this weekend? Maybe to stay out of trouble potentially, you know, and you know, knock on wood there. That's um, <laughs> there's, there's going to be potential trouble in so many areas here. Uh, but you know, these guys that there's no, there's, there's so much talent in cup that I, I think people underestimate how quickly these drivers can can adapt to a, a new thing, and then on top of that, the the technology has advanced so far with these simulators that uh, it is uh, it, it is. Uh, I, I bet you Ford has a really solid bite on the laser scan of that track and what it's going to look like and what what it's going to take. So uh, the, anybody that's been on the simulator is uh, for any of the big three. Uh, is, is going to have a pretty good advantage going in. Have you had some time on the sim? Nobody's had time on the actual physical racetrack. I know Rick Ware, obviously, not super high in the pecking order, so you'll be going in cold turkey? Yeah, I bet Jensen's had some time on it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, uh, uh, no, me, no. I, I, I go down, I live, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I live really close to SimCraft. And they are one of the biggest sim builders. And so uh, Matt Till and the guys up there let me kind of knock on the door and go play around up there. And, and I, I actually got about an hour and a half the other day okay. uh, on iRacing's version of it. Uh, I have no idea how that will compute. But uh, <laughs> the SimCraft guys are, are great about letting me come in. And, uh, and I, I, learn, I do that with a lot of the stock car stuff. I don't do that with a lot of sports car stuff anymore uh, just because I've got such a deep – set of notes on every single track that um if if there's anything a little bit off in the sim it, it's more distracting than anything but on the stock car stuff i go i go up to marietta to the guys uh at simcraft all the time and and uh try to work some basics out 
kind of a, a big picture question here. Obviously, NASCAR is not your main thing anymore, right? We, we know you're an, uh, an unbelievably accomplished sports car racer, but 2011 Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series, run a handful of truck, Xfinity back in the Cup Series this year for a handful of races as well. What do you think about NASCAR in general kind of expanding a bit and, and spreading their wings going to new venues, increased road courses, next-gen car, sports car tendencies, trying their hand at some different things here and there that we've seen other forms of racing. It's worked out pretty well. NASCAR seems to be working well with these new changes as well. I, that was a lot of questions, so I'll try to break down most of those answers. Sorry. Uh, give, <laughs> give, no, no, it's all good. Um, so I, I like to see NASCAR trying to gain um, a – trying to – to deepen their fan base. I mean, that's uh, obviously massively important because this sport is run on cubic dollars instead of cubic inches. And it takes so much money to get the, the quality of these, of these um, cars as up, up to speed and up to, you know, everything that these guys do at the very front. And especially like the smaller teams like Rick Ware racing and some of the other teams that were back there fighting on like, you know, a tiny fraction of the budget relative to them. Uh, we need new fans. We need sponsors to think something that we're doing is exciting. We need, you know, we're going to Chicago and my sponsor camping world is, is based very close to, to Chicago. So we're going to have guests in there this weekend. That was an obvious uh, draw for them to come uh, on board with us. And, and we're going to do uh, three other races this year as well. But um, you know, that's, it's so big to engage the fans, which will then in turn, um, engage the the corporate sponsorship to come on board and and keep keep teams like us afloat so um additionally when you were talking about the next gen car uh, i i again i what's best for the sport and what's most fun to drive is usually two different things (laughs) Uh, i actually i have so much fun driving the xfinity cars uh the the next gen car i think I think you do, and it's just a, it's just kind of a driving style. I mean, we're we're seeing, we're seeing new names at the front straight away on the next gen thing, and um, you we're seeing new teams get used to that too. I mean, Trackhouse again is a really, really good example, and how Ross has just picked that up really quick. And yeah. um, but then you see the normal, you know, the Kyle and Kyle show is still is still here, regardless of you know it could be it could be next gen, it could be last gen, it could be first gen, it could be sprint cars it doesn't matter those guys are 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 massive talents are going to be at the front but um the the next gen car is like a slightly heavier slightly higher cg gt3 car which is what i've been driving for the last 10 or 15 years or so uh and so you know having the sequential box uh having the bigger brakes having the lower profile tire uh is um certainly it's 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 kind of morphing into a little bit more of a modern day uh, race car, but uh, I still think and always thought, regardless of what size the tire was, how big the brakes were, where the arrow was, whether it was a spoiler or whether it was a wing or whether it was a splitter or or a diffuser or whatever, uh, you know, NASCAR has been putting on the best racing on the planet, and I, I don't want to see them get too far out of the box and get away from that as like you know swinging for the fences uh, uh, with the with an attempted fan grab, but I, I think it's been a pretty methodical step and, and they're going in the right direction. 
So you said the next gen is really similar to a GT3 car, which is what you have a ton of experience with the past decade. So given your your limited starts and track time and laps in a next gen car, specifically what you just did out west in Sonoma a handful of weeks ago, how was it? What was it everything you thought and imagined? What, were there things that you like, you didn't like? How were your first laps in a next gen car? Uh, my first laps was literally six laps in practice. And then we did one change and I had time for one more lap. So I did seven laps of practice. All right, um, go get them. <laughs> and that's it. You know, yeah. these, these 20, these 20 minute practice sessions at an established track is an insanely short amount of time to try to learn a car sort of baseline the setup too, because you know, we're, we're going out there with, well, there is an alliance with RFK and RWR, so that's that's very nice. So we were we were in the ballpark, we were in the window. Uh, you know, we went out and we're rubbing the heck out of the the rub blocks. So first three laps, I'm I'm figuring out the track, which I I haven't run that config since 2011. Um, but uh, we typically, when I go out there, I usually am coaching out there. I haven't raced out there in for a long time, but we run the IndyCar circuit, uh, which is about. 50% of the corners. So I was very familiar with about 50% of the corners and um, very unfamiliar with the car. So I got my butt kicked in practice, sort of started to figure out in qualifying. Uh, and then we had a little bobble in the race on a strategy call and, and, and we lost a lap there, but um, either way, I mean, at, at best I was a 26th to 28th place driver, uh, on the day. Um, and that even that would be a stretch because I, I played it a little bit on the conservative side and um, just uh, tried to get one under my belt, sort of thinking that there was going to be this crazy attrition. I don't know why. Uh, Sonoma usually <laughs> yeah. strings out a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe I should have saved that for Chicago, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty amped up to get to Chicago now and, uh, and see what we got and do some battle there, regardless uh, of how potentially dangerous that is going to be not on a safety side of things, but on, on a damage side, you've got to really manage your race there and manage your risk. Sure. So you mentioned camping world, obviously they're, uh, they're in the Midwest. They're going to have a lot of guests out there. It should be fun to see. And they're obviously, uh, helping you create this, uh, this partial schedule for the cup series this season. I found it interesting how this deal with Rick Ware racing and camping world and Marcus Limonis all came together you can correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially how the story goes is you put out a feeler and a tweet saying that I got a really cool opportunity. I need some help. Marcus Lamona said, I got you. And here we are. That basically that uh, short story. That's exactly how I went. Yeah. Um, he, he responded at first and said, what car? And, and so I, I put out a tweet saying, I've got a cool opportunity. Uh, I w and, and I, and I am kind of, I'm looking at this as sort of my last, hurrah in in cup cars you know I, I i'll forever try to jump into an xfinity car until i'm um comfortable enough or or convinced that i've i've, I'm, I've lost a step or whatever and, and not capable of driving at my best but um i'm looking at this as a great opportunity and potentially my last handful of races in a cup car so uh, i threw that out there and marcus's first response was what team and when he did that you know twitter's changed so much in the last year like oh, anybody yeah. <laughs> can have a blue check and there's so many fake accounts and whatnot. I looked and we both follow each other and he follows most of the NASCAR drivers and whatnot. And yeah. I, I've been a fan of his just because of how much he's contributed to the sport, uh, both on the NASCAR side, on the NHRA side, 
sport in general. You know, he's very aware and connected with his audience, knows that, you know, uh, you know, sports fans are also usually camping fans. And uh, and that's the, the an amazing target demographic. And so I think kind of a and I don't want to put words in his mouth, uh, kind of almost like a philanthropic move uh, versus a marketing move. He was like, well, let's give this guy a shot and we went back and forth in dms i checked his account first to make sure it wasn't fake i'm like yeah, is this yeah. real is he actually sending me a note <laughs> and uh we went back and forth in the dms and uh we had we had come to an agreement and he surprised the heck out of me because we i was rick told me hey man we want you in go see if you can sell some of these races so i, I put that out there really not I, I figured i would shoestring together like five or six deals and when he asked i knew his company i knew i knew um i knew camping world was was based just outside of chicago i, I know good sam and, and i knew he does a lot in the chicago area so i figured maybe he'd be interested in chicago he asked about sonoma which was coming up first which i was the most happy with because i was like okay this is great. I'll get one under my belt. I'll try to impress Rick and, and, and Tommy Baldwin and Robbie Benton and all the guys and, um, uh, and Brian and Jerry and, and just get, get everybody behind me. And then maybe I'll just kind of keep it rolling. And we worked out a number for Sears point. Um, and then he said, is that the same number for the other races? And I, I said, yeah, I think so. And he said, okay, we'll do all five of them. And I, okay, then. <laughs> I, yeah, he, he said, okay, I'll do all five. And I read that. I looked down at my phone and I looked up at my friend that I was sitting next to when I got the thing. And I, I paused so long and I, I started scrolling back through the conversation to make sure that that's what he was talking about. <laughs> like that, I didn't miss some <laughs> weird conversation like, uh, and, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. And it's, it's amazing. I'm super thankful to Marcus. Um, uh, Tamara, all the people behind the scenes, Bradley at, at Camping World for for getting behind this and and putting this program together. It's it's really neat. The car looks so cool, so official with the, in the Camping World blue. And uh, we're switching from the 15 to the 51 mm -hmm. this week because uh, Jensen's going to be in the 15. And uh, but man, again, the, the 51 today. I don't know if you know this. I just saw this waking up today is the 30, 33 years ago today, Days of Thunder came out. So obviously the 51 yeah. was a uh, is an iconic number from way back then. And uh, so it'll be really cool to, to run that at NASCAR's first ever street race. And yeah, I, I can't be more so uh, stoked. Uh, we've got Mergato Automotive also came on as an associate sponsor. So it's just stuff is building and um i mean I, I really i couldn't wait for indy and watkins glenn those are kind of my two favorites on the schedule chicago is such a like a, a, an unknown that I, I don't know whether to be psyched for it or afraid of it or whatever but i'm just gonna Both. go there <laughs> exactly exactly you got you've got to be a little bit psyched and a little bit afraid yeah. not not too afraid but not too daring because then it's you know inevitable that something crazy is going to happen um, so I think you've got to balance that. And especially with where we are in the points, we're trying to move up. We've got specific cars that we're racing and, uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll see how it goes. Um, another sports car ace of sorts is Jordan Taylor. I know you do some work with him with win the weekend on, on the social side and whatnot. He obviously ran in the cup series at Coda and he ran in Xfinity recently at Portland with 
college racing. I'm curious if you got a chance to watch those two races and maybe debrief with him a little bit how you think he did in terms of representing the IMSA paddock out in the NASCAR Cup garage and Xfinity. Yeah, Jordan's an amazing talent, and and he's going to be able to drive anything. He's obviously he's won in in prototypes and GT cars. So it won't be long until he's winning in NASCAR. If if he goes and feels like making the switch full time, he'd he'd immediately uh, he'd immediately get to it. He's got the right attitude. He's got the right look. He's got he's got a, a great personality with it. Uh, Jordan and I spoke before each one of those events, just kind of going over what I could relate to him as far as the differences between the, the, the GT cars and, and the, the stock cars. And he, you know, you, you think, okay, I'm getting in a Hendrick car. I'm going to have like all these resources. And he did, he had a lot of stuff to draw him, but like he'd never really driven uh, a NASCAR stock car. So mm-hmm. um, there, there was a lot that we, I tried to help communicate with him and, and he would have done amazing regardless, but uh, we spoke a little bit before each one of those races and I'm, I'm hoping he gets some more opportunities. It'll be great. Yeah, Jordan did great. I'm just wondering if Rodney Sandstorm can do even better. I'm just waiting for him. I mean, he's he's set himself up to be an amazing uh, character to to sort of be like the Jekyll and Hyde version oh, yeah. of a NASCAR driver, and uh, it's good. I was I was there on the day Rodney Sandstorm was born, and I was one of the first people he tried to fool <laughs> oh. uh, in the in the paddock at Daytona as he as he went around in costume looking for autographs. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. And Jordan, actually funny story, Jordan's first time on a NASCAR uh, Xfinity car was he sponsored me <laughs> in, uh, in a race with uh, it, when I ran the 90 for Mario Goslin about okay, yeah. six or seven years ago uh, at mid Ohio. And, and we put a picture, just a headshot of uh, Rodney Sandstorm uh, <laughs> on the car. Yeah. I'm- I'm surprised that that didn't give the car just two tenths right there. It's got to be worth something. I, I finished seventh, so it was it was it was pretty good. damn good. good but yeah, yeah, I can't complain. Pretty damn good. So uh, Jordan obviously and Rodney were playing the role of coach out in France this summer and for the past year plus for NASCAR's Garage Fifty Six effort out at Le Mans. For somebody like yourself who has made a living in the IMSA world and, and in sports cars. Can you put into words what what type of achievement you think it is for for NASCAR to go over there, have a Garage 56 effort like they did, complete almost all 24 hours problem-free and kind of leave that event with a really good taste in their mouth? And internationally, it seems like they garnered a lot of attention and a lot of respect, Andy. I I think the success that they had with the build of the car and the success that they had with the endurance – uh, of the car first time out uh, w- was incredible. Uh, they obviously put an all-star lineup of drivers in it. Uh, and then, but they had an all-star team behind the scenes uh, building that car. And, and there was a ton of naysayers saying, no way this thing gets to halfway without burning out the brakes or wrecking this or wrecking that or whatever. And it's going to be so slow. It's going to get killed. Just wait until you know, these cars are flying around this thing. And, you know, Next thing you know, it rolls out. It's pretty quick. Next thing you know, it's it's faster than all of the GT cars. And then the next thing you know, there's awesome onboard footage of a uh, of a of a NASCAR Cup car flying down the Molson Strait, absolutely annihilating GT cars as it flies by. And at the same time, probably its best media attribute 
was the fact that these cars are now quiet kind of hum jobs going down the down the road and you just see like like a you can hear that thing from paris and then this thing just comes (laughs) roaring down and and brings the fans back to life of like it's i think they've kind of slowly numbed themselves out to accepting the noise that's there which to me isn't acceptable as a race car but uh and then nascar shows up and just blows their eardrums out and it was awesome literally yeah it it was pretty cool to see um so speaking of uh jordan garage 56 obviously the elements come into play at le mans i want to go back to last year i believe it was at portland in the xfinity car you and alpha prime racing you guys got together you had a hell of a run going man running in the rain more like a monsoon out there in oregon uh and you were battling up front in the lead I'm curious, what is it like to run in an Xfinity car? Like you said, one of the most fun cars to drive in all of motorsports. Doing so on a road course, which is your happy place, and then doing so in the rain. That had to be a whole lot going on. That was wild. That restart that we had in the second stage um, was, uh, or the first stage, one of those stages, was amazing. We went from ninth to the lead uh, in about 90% of a lap, and we restarted in ninth. I came through the chicane in like, fifth or sixth got a couple other cars and then was third coming out of the final chicane before the hairpin coming on the front straight and ty gibbs and sheldon got together ran wide and i just ducked along on the rain line and, and came on my straightaway Thank in the lead much. and it was it was yeah it's like oh, this is rad so uh had a good battle ended up finishing second in the stage which was neat uh but again yeah you know it's uh tommy joe martin's runs that team and I can't say enough about him. He's one of my, you know, I've, I've, I've been racing now for 30 years. Um, and Tommy Joe is probably in the, in the, in the top five easily of, of team owners that I've worked with along the way. He does so much with so little, uh, and is wears so many hats in that team. You know, he, he's, He's got a lot of good qualities that go into a team manager slash owner, and uh, he he runs a good show there. Yeah, it, was, it was very neat to run with them. It'd be fun to run again with them. And my buddy Cesar Baccarella, who uh, is brought the Alpha Prime name, you know, it was Tommy Joe Martin's yeah. um, racing, and then and then uh, Cesar Baccarella came on board there with with Alpha Prime, and and so I think that combination there. Caesar's Caesar's a driver himself and wanted to do more stock car racing and instead of just going and finding one-off rides here and there, he partnered with, with a great group of people. And, and now alpha prime is growing in its nature, a three car team now. And, uh, and, and constantly we see really good results from them. So I mentioned uh 2011 sprint cup rookie of the year. So just saying sprint cup makes me feel really old. Um, <laughs> back in that, uh, number 71 car. I want to ask you about that a little bit, but I, I saw in a recent interview, Something that had to be pretty weird for you was the fact that back then you were teammates with David Gillen, and at Sonoma, you were teammates with his son, Todd. That had to be a very full circle and, oh my God, I'm really old moment for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exact. It was, it was more the latter, but uh, it was very cool. I, I, as soon as I heard that it was going to be Todd, I, I thought that that was such a neat deal because uh, David was fun to work with, uh, enjoyable as a teammate. Uh, we got along really well. And then I, I'd been a fan of his son coming up through trucks and whatnot. So it was, it was, it was definitely neat. Definitely made me 
kind of look back on the, the first year that I ran uh, in that race in, in Cup, which was 2009, and then 14 years later, there there I am with his son, uh, who's who's a rocket, by the way. I mean, that that's an, another kid who's had great success on on road courses, and I've seen him really battle well, and I, I think he's going to do good in the future. You mentioned 09. I realize we're going back, I guess it's, what, <clears throat> 15 years or so at this point, but that was when you had your first Cup start. Uh, the incomparable Slugger Labby was at the controls atop the pit box. Uh, worked with him a good amount. What do you remember about that start, that day, that time in your career, making your first career Cup Series start? I I was just at Watkins Glen yesterday, so I and my my parents were camped right where where we were set up on the back straightaway with a little hospitality thing, and we were a go or go homer. So we had to qualify our way in and there was so much pressure. I had done, I had done maybe, um, I think I, I did, geez, I did two, two Bush races on road courses and I did six or seven truck races at that point. And so the ability to just go out there and try and throw down and get in the show back then we were getting you know 43 cars made the field but like 48 49 were showing up so we had Mm -hmm. to we had to go and it was absolutely incredible i qualified 15th and uh slugger just slugger was awesome to work with knew how to help a new guy understand what the field needed to be and knew how to help me get up to speed quicker because again you know, limited practice time. And, um, yeah, that was, that was an amazing day just to qualify for the race. Um, was was awesome to qualify 15th was like mind blowing. And then I happened to qualify right when at the time the grand am Rolex series was having the driver's meeting in the tower right before start finish. So all my friends were there at the window (laughs) to see if I was going to get in the race and then we threw it up on the board and it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, that sounds like it, man. And that that I guess that's your home race, right? That's your home track. Technically, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up on Long Island, New York, about four and a half hours from Watkins Glen. But being the only track in New York uh, that we race on, uh, it's it's on on top of it. I calling it a home track. It's it's my favorite track. Uh, it is hands down the best track in the country. I'd love for NASCAR if we're talking about expanding things. I think you would really blow the crowd out if we go run the long course there. Ooh, now you're speaking my language. I'd like to see it because, like you said, Watkins Glen, one of the fan favorite road courses. I don't want to say it's getting stagnant because what you have is really good there, but switching it up a little bit, I would not hate that. I, I'd be a fan as well. Now that we've got the bigger breaks, there's no excuse not to. All right, you heard it from the sports car man himself. Um, so that was back in 2009. 2011 is when you, uh, we talked about that race with David and Todd. Um, you didn't run in the Cup Series for about a full decade until a couple years ago when BJ McLeod called you up for the Indy Road Course, I think, last year with Live Fast Motorsports. What was it like getting that call from him and thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I haven't I haven't done this in 10 years. Do I remember how, what I'm doing here? I, I can't remember what the stats thing is, but I think I have the second longest layoff uh, between <laughs> Cup Races. There was somebody that had me. Yeah. And so it was, uh, it was really cool. Again, you know, 
I did five laps of practice. And um, unfortunately, we we missed tech three times, so I didn't get to qualify. And then uh, yep. somebody spun out behind me in the race and uh, and tagged our uh, tagged our left rear and took a toe link out. So I had very very limited laps the entire weekend. Um, but it was uh, it was cool. Super thankful to BJ for for giving me that opportunity. It was very cool to be in the seventy eight. Um, my carding number growing up was seventy seven, and my sister was born in seventy eight. So I kind of oh, cool. dragged her into go-karting with me. So she was she was number 78 since she was born in 78 and it was right after my 77. So it was uh it was really cool to run that that number for me. I'm a big numbers guy. So again, yeah. it was uh, a very cool event. So I, I've mentioned a handful of times, right? You obviously are fully entrenched in the IMSA world, sports car world, you know, with all this NASCAR stuff going on, you're balancing being a full-time driver in IMSA with Magnus Racing. You just mentioned you were at Watkins Glen this weekend for the six hours up there. Is it hard for you to balance everything going on in your life and career on and off track right now? Uh, I miss my girlfriend a lot, but (laughs) I mean, it's racing. I I, I, I like, uh, I like, uh, I like going racing. I do a lot of coaching on top of that. So, um, my calendar from the end of January through the beginning of October is, is pretty insane. I'm, I'm on the road almost every week. And it's, it's one of these things now where, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm near the twilight of my career. So uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm still just trying to work as much as I can while I can, you know, there's no retirement plan for race car drivers. You got to build your own, uh, you know, you got to build your own SEP and retirement account and stuff like that. So I, 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 I I'm, not against working. Uh, so I'm just trying to get it in while I'm healthy and, and still motivated to do it. So whether that's racing in IMSA or racing in um, NASCAR or coaching, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. Or actually, I had a lot of fun commentating the last couple of years, too. So uh, I would love, really love to transition to that. I had I had a blast with that. But I keep getting sort of um, a lot of my opportunities get I, I get. I'm on the short list, but then I don't quite make it as the next retiring cup guy comes in and yeah. moves me down the order. Plus the 80 other people that are in line already in front of me uh, that are deserving uh, pit reporters and whatnot uh, that are getting their shot there too. I guess it's a good problem to have all things considered. Um, yeah. Professional professional transition. You, le- you led me right into uh, talking about the off track stuff in terms of commentating and what you've done in the Fox booth. Uh, not just saying this because you're sitting on the other side of my Zoom screen, but I love when you're in the booth for these road courses. Specifically, I remember, I think Coda was maybe the first time last year. I was like, damn, Andy's really good at this. I don't know why I was surprised by it, but phenomenal there. Uh, I remembered, or I, I mentioned earlier, win the weekend. I know my boy Bozy Tatarovich, our friend, he's on that with you as well. So you seem to be really leaning into the media side and the digital, the social side of things. And again, you got knowledge to share. You got almost 30 years of experience. I thank you for sharing it with us, the, the measly race fan, Andy. Uh, I, I honestly, for me, it's, it's, it's a blast. I've been, again, like you said, doing it for so long. And uh, the, the, the opportunity at, at Fox Sports was, was really neat. And I remember I, you know, I, I got there and I was a little nervous about what I was supposed to do, what my role actually was. And we did uh, a little bit with, uh, you know, in the first segment and, and Vince Welch, who was, who is actually really cool. It's really neat to see these guys work, you know, before and after we come on the camera, there is so much more 
talent needed than than what you see on the screen when they make it look easy that's a difficult thing the way yeah. vince comes in and out and the way he can have a conversation with the audience while someone's talking in his ear about the next thing coming up in 15 seconds what we're going to switch he makes it so seamless and then to, and then in addition to that having michael waltrip uh in the booth there as well is is one comic relief but um <laughs> he's he's a he's you know he he plays a little bit of a role uh, uh, for like who people ex- kind of expect him to be, but he's yeah. he's he's a very witty guy. Uh, he's intelligent. He knows the sport. He understands the brand. And uh, on top of that, he's he was very helpful. He was genuinely really helpful. Gave me great tips. And they noticed that I was sort of just deferring and waiting on them almost to be invited in the conversation. And then I think like after the first segment, they're like, "Look." You see something, go for it, say it. And I saw that as an opportunity, like almost a, not a challenge, that's cheesy to say, but like I enjoy doing it so much and there was so much at the tip of my tongue that I wanted to go that um, I, it was sort of the perfect storm because it started to rain a little bit. And so I just jumped in and just everything that was in my brain came flying out of my mouth. And, I love it. Um, I had no idea anybody liked it until I got down to the pit lane and you know, my Xfinity race was next and I qualified on the same row as Harvick and I got down there and he's like, man, that was great. I loved it. You just, you helped this out. If we're, <laughs> you help me out if it rains. And I was like, dang, but that, that was neat that uh, <laughs> a lot of those guys were watching and enjoyed it. And so uh, I, I very much appreciated the positive feedback and uh, you know, Jamie little came by and said she enjoyed it. And uh, uh, a lot of uh, Regan Smith and a lot of people that were, they're already and doing the stuff. And then obviously again, Vince and Michael were, were awesome help. Yeah. That's been great. Uh, I know we've gone a little bit. I got a couple more fun things. You, you, you cool. Stick around for a few more. Yes. If, if my phone blinks off, it's just cause I'm on like 2% battery. I've got about 6% left. <laughs> so if it blinks off, I wasn't me hanging up on you. <laughs> All right. I will run through them as quick as I can. Then you are okay. a black belt in Brazilian jujitsu. I have a lot of questions. Uh, I guess the bigger one is how, when, why. Um, I I was just a scrappy jerk of a kid <laughs> when I was nothing's young. Changed. And, and, hey, nothing's changed. Exactly. Now I'm just a scrappy old guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, a scrappy old jerk. Uh, I was a senior in high school when UFC 1 came out, and I was very into it, but I was also a senior in high school when I started racing cars. So there was – the MMA and the jujitsu side of things was something that was neat to me, but like I didn't take any chances. Um, okay. I can't say that. I'm an idiot. I do a lot of dumb things. Um, but <laughs> the, I, 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 I drew a line at that because what I didn't want was to be training Wednesday and have some wannabe ninja, you know, break my pinky right as I'm about to get on a flight and yeah. I'm, and I'm screwed for the weekend. Um, something happened in a funny situation where I happened to wander into a gym just to look. And my my buddy, Isaac Everly came out. I'd never met him before. He's like, hey, welcome to Creighton Mixed Martial Arts. Why don't you come take a tour? We've got an intro class about to start. I'm like, nah, you know, I just, I was going to grab a pamphlet. And he's like, oh, come on back. And this, that, and the other thing. It's been 14 years since that day. And uh, I go there. I just, I tally up my hours that I train. And I've trained 500 hours, 550 something hours in the last two years. Uh, when I started tallying up hours, so it's it's uh, 
I, 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 my main focus is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I've been doing that for almost 14 years. Um, I got my black belt in, in that. Uh, but I also do mixed martial arts, same gym, same guys. Uh, we're actually, uh, we've got two guys going to fight um, in, in the next couple of weeks. So we're kind of middle of a fight camp. So I step in every once in a while and get my ass handed to me uh, <laughs> over there with, with actual real fighters uh, as I, as I kind of swing for the fences and just try to get these guys to the ground where I'm the most comfortable. Um, uh, my, 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 my kicks, my, 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 my boxing, my dirty boxing, my wrestling is, is mediocre. Um, my kicks are like a C minus, but my jits, um, if we can get to the ground, that's, that's where my, my strong point is. Mediocre in terms of your standards. I think by everybody else's standards, you can beat the crap out of every one of us. Um, so obviously in NASCAR, right. Kind of has the stereotypical good old boys, you know, if you got a problem, go fight them type deal. IMSA, not that way. Have you ever been in a physical altercation in your racing career? Because if so, I think that you're probably undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I have really not brought it to the track. Um, okay. I probably I, best for your competition then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get heated. I get in people's faces, but I, I, sure. I'm usually to be honest, never like physically threatening to anybody. I, I, that's, that's a, you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to really mess my day up to, <laughs> to do that. You know, um, I'll have words of, and have had words and continue to have words with a handful of people all the time. Um, as I'm, you know, I, I'm aggressive on track. The guys in IMSA are aggressive on track. Same thing in NASCAR has been a couple of times where, you know, stuff happens on the Xfinity side. Um, but yeah, my, my intent is never to get physical and let, I mean, if somebody starts on, I'm, I'm all game, I'm all for it. Yeah. It, it, yeah like it, it wouldn't be, uh, it's not a good thing. Don't mess with Andy Lally. That's my takeaway. Um, uh, part of the reason why you probably got this strong is you're eating better than probably every one of us. You're vegan and you have been for a handful of years. I think I have it right that you, you, you did it for ethical reasons and it's basically been a, a huge lifestyle change ever since, right? It is, you know, I, 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 I always, I had this in the back of my head since I was very young, but was, there was zero people that I grew up with that would do this. And then there's all these massive misconceptions and the typical, where do you get your protein thing from? And it's like, people don't realize that the, the largest, strongest mammals on this planet are, are, are plant-based, you know, your, your gorillas, your apes, your, your elephants, your rhinos, you like all these massive muscular animals are, are just gigantic vegans. <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, I, I did it because I, I don't support animal cruelty in any way. And um, uh, I was worried, to be honest, about what my physical, um, what my stamina was going to be like, what my strength was going to be like. Was, was, my, was I going to be like depleted in muscle percentage and whatnot? So I waited until the last day of the racing season in 2004 and I, wow. I, I went and I, I took the winter to train and change my diet like that. And I was a month in and started noticing that my, I run to a heartbeat from a 10 K route and I would run the same exact 10 K route because I like to see performance gains and, you know, uh, advantages and whatnot. So, I run, I would run at 160 beats a minute and I would pretty much, I could close my eyes and I'd do the 10K within like 10 or 15 seconds every time. And I'd probably run it two or three times a week. 
and I started noticing massive drops in time. And by in a month, I was almost a minute faster, which is sort of unheard of if you've actually run 10Ks at a competitive pace. Um, and not that I'm fast. I, I ran it, you know, at a decent pace, but not like I'm going to win a 10K or anything. Um, and before the start of the season, I was like two and a half minutes faster. And it was just, wow. it was mind blowing how good my cardio was, how good my blood work came back, how good I slept, how good I felt, how low my cholesterol was. It, it was just a no, I was scared of being unhealthy and it turned out to be the best positive of, of the change. You know, I went for ethical reasons, again, trying not to try to live a life, not being responsible for killing something. And, and that's impossible as a human being, you're going to, you know, even as the vegetables and whatnot, you know, if you're buying from large vegetable farms, there's going to be side you know, the stuff's going to happen and you're, you are responsible, but at, at such a gigantically reduced percentage, you know, you can't, you're barely going to live this life without having some sort of negative impact on somebody else. But um, the gigantic impact that we have by eating meat uh, and dairy and the dairy farms and whatnot um, to me is just unacceptable. And I'm trying to live my life, not contributing to that. Be the change you want to see in this world, basically. Well said. And that's a very, uh, it's a very admirable way to, to live your life. I hope you have enough phone battery for, for if not, this is the last one. I really wanted to get to this one. You are a championship street luge racer. I am. Um, you do it all. I was a skater <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, so it's been a minute. So I, I won my, I won my world championships in 2009 and then I won double world championship in 2012. Well, you got more uh, than I, I do. So. <laughs> I last raced in 2016. Uh, and then we went for the Guinness Book of World Records uh, for top speed ever on a luge. They invited the top 20 ranked uh, street luge racers to go for on this insanely ridiculous hill uh, in Canada where we were trying to break the 100 mile an hour mark for the first time. Oh and um, I ended up third out of the 20 guys. I did 98.8 miles an hour. Um, my buddy, yeah, my buddy Mike McIntyre. Um, threw down a huge number, got to 101 and, uh, and set the record still in the Guinness book of world records. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. A lot of fun. It's, it brought me back to the, the very basics of grassroots racing, which is literally this grassy hill in my backyard when I was three, four, five years old, that I would take my wagon, my big wheel and everything down. And that was just go from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill as fast as you can pass as many people as you can. And street luge is a much more sophisticated version of that. But at the same time, you're just using gravity. It's you and the wind and the bearings and the urethane underneath your butt. And you're just flying down hills. My God. I, it's just incredible. I wish we had more time. Wish you had more phone batteries. So I'll end it with this one. Uh, tying it back to racing and what we got this weekend in Chicago. Realistic expectations for you in the 51 group. Is it fair to say just finish and stay out of the mess that is inevitably going to happen? I don't think I don't think Rick Ware or Tommy Baldwin or Robbie Benton or, or Brian, my crew chief, uh, would be – happy with that i think they want me to go charge and if if they'll just let me go i mean I, you know i think our goals for at rick Ware are to finish top 25 um if we can come out with anything in the teens it it would be a massive victory um it would be a big bonus for them in the points 
Um, for me, it would be a nice shot in the arm to take this much time off in the Cup Series and be able to come back. Uh, and that's going to take a combination of preparation um, and then me analyzing the track walk and whatever we can get before then and, and how we unload off the trailer. And then it's going to take some luck because we know that without a doubt there's going to be some carnage in this one. And oh, if yeah. you, it's just behind you or just in front of you, it makes a big difference in how your day turns out. Staying in that sweet spot, that is the major key. All right, I lied. This is the last, last question. I probably sure. should know the answer, and I should have done my research. How many Rolex watches have you won? <laughs> so uh, you get a Rolex for winning the race, and you used to get a Rolex for winning the championship. Uh, they don't do that anymore with the championship. But um, So I have eight. I won the Rolex 24 hours Man. five times. Uh, I finished second six times, so those are stingers. But um, – I, I won it five times, and then I won the championship, the IMSA championship, three times. So uh, I've got eight. Uh, I only I, I kept one, and I gave all the others away to uh, lots of different people that have helped me along the way. Oh, wow. Do you wear one? Uh, it's not on right now, but it's it's actually sitting on my dresser. Uh, I wear it probably seventy five percent of the time. Yeah, uh, baby. But, uh, Show that yeah, thing man. off. Yeah, absolutely. That's my, it's, it's sort of like your, it's like cauliflower ear in MMA. I've got that right. too. Uh, your, <laughs> yeah. your Rolex watch in the sports car world is sort of your red badge of courage, uh, for, uh, uh, the auto racing side. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Andy, we went, uh, almost 47 minutes and I had a blast, man. Thank you so much for carving out a lot of time. I know it's a busy week for you. You just got back from the Glen. You're probably going to leave for Chicago and like 24 hours or something like that. Yeah. So really, really appreciate it, man. Best of luck this weekend. I will see you out there. And best of luck uh, trying to stay out of the mess. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. And we are back. Whew. Thank you so much to Andy for so much time. Great perspective, honesty, insight. That was one of my favorite chats on the show. And I know I say that a lot, but I mean it with this one. And he did it on short notice. Big thanks to Tim Packman over at Rickware Racing as well for helping coordinate the conversation again on short notice. So I really appreciate both you gentlemen for helping make it happen. And Andy, what a chat, my man. We got to have you back on the show because we are just scratching the surface when it comes to you. Thank you so much. Let's quickly roll through the action we saw this past weekend out at Nashville Super Speedway. Good performance for Ross Chastain. I would venture to say it was a great performance for Ross Chastain obviously wins the first race of the season for him for track house first race on a traditional oval racetrack for Ross Chastain one at Talladega one at Coda but this is his first kind of intermediate legit traditional race win and that I think is a pretty big deal for a lot of different reasons snaps a 42 race winless streak does it with no chaos no controversy just had the fastest car started from the pole Led a lot of laps, didn't get in anybody's mess, didn't get in anybody's bad side, took care of business professionally, swiftly, and well. And I think that is the main takeaway that I have from Nashville Super Speedway. Sold out crowd again, race at night, NBC back on the air. A lot of cool happenings going on to kick off the quote-unquote second half of the year. And I'm excited to see how it rolls on into Chicago this weekend unpredictable that is the word we talked about it with Andy a little bit but I think that every single driver if they tell you they know what they're going to expect they are lying to your face because nobody really has any idea what the dealio is going to be 
We've never raced on a street course in the Cup Series. The next-gen car has never raced on a street course, obviously. We've never raced in the downtown streets of Chicago. And look, I I don't think the race is going to be amazing, frankly, but I think the event is going to be spectacular. And that is what I'm really, really looking forward to. Unfortunately, won't be out there for the full festivities this weekend. I will only be there for Sunday only, race day for the Cup Cars. It's also my birthday. So like I said last week, no place I'd rather spend my birthday than watching NASCAR Cup Cars go rip around NASCAR's street course in Chicago. I cannot wait. And that'll wrap things up for this week's episode of Victory Lane 2.0-191. If you like what you heard here today, please, party people, do me a favor. Leave a rating and a review. You can do so on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. We should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, please drop me a line, and I will try to rectify that issue for you. And not to end on a somber note, but obviously you guys have probably seen the really tragic, just so tragic, unfortunate news uh, with the Johnson family. Chandra Johnson, her parents, and Jimmy Johnson's nephew, unfortunately, passing away in an apparent murder-suicide in Oklahoma, according to local police and reports. So we don't know any further details other than that. Just um, I know it's kind of cliche to say it, but thoughts and prayers go out to the Johnson family and all the friends and family impacted by that horrible, horrible situation. Obviously, Jimmy's not going to run Chicago this weekend for obvious reasons, so we look forward to seeing him and seeing Chandra back at the track whenever they feel they are ready to do so. All right, everybody. We appreciate you tuning in this week and every week, and we'll be back next week with another guest from the world of NASCAR. Enjoy Chicago this weekend, party people. I know I will.